I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome back to I Am Not In An Abusive Relationship. I am your host, Dan, for this episode. And today, I am joined by a another gem in our community, uh, an organization who is doing great work. They are the St. Joseph County Commission on Aging. And I am joined by Pamela Riley, uh, who is the executive director. Pam is a Centerville resident, former CEO of a medical-based audiology practice. And what I love about this is that under, under your leadership, Pam, the that practice grew from seven private audiology clinics in Michigan and Indiana. Uh, and you've moved over into this area now and you are helping our aging citizens. So thank you for that. Pam, welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be here this morning. So I, when I began to do some planning with the the committee, the podcast committee about 2021, the idea of elder abuse became one of our conversations. Now, obviously, DASIS works with domestic violence, sexual abuse, um, elder abuse, I believe can fall into both of those categories, but it isn't something that we talk about at DASIS. So I thought, gosh, we need to have an expert. So I wanted to bring you on. Can you start maybe, Pam, with just a, a basic definition? Let's get on the same page. What does the St. Joe County Commission on Aging define elder abuse as? Well, elder abuse can be seen as many different types of harm that is inflicted onto an older adult. And so when we are looking, um, and I'll, I can walk through um, all of our different services that would be looking for this type of abuse, but it's not just physical or sexual abuse. It's also financial abuse. It could be emotional abuse. So we're really looking um, at all the touch points that we have with the residents in the county for older adults, uh, really keeping an eye on those kinds of things, how we see the signs, how we train our staff for that. Uh, recognizing the signs and how we go about reporting that. So I'd love to get into how your organization sees that. Um, I'd also like to back up for a second here. And, and, I, and I, one of the things that I really appreciate about DASIS and what we've done is to help educate like bystander awareness. Are there things that neighbors can do to look for this? If I have an elderly neighbor across the street, how can I make sure I'm taking care of my community? So let's maybe start there. What can I see as a neighbor? that I should be looking out for? Absolutely. Um, I am in a neighborhood that has a significant amount of older adults in it. And it's really just being present in the community, present on your street, present with your neighbors, making sure you're checking in on them. If you do see them outside, go over and say hello and see how they're doing and getting to know them. 
Um, what some of the signs that you might see if you are friendly with your neighbors and do know them is maybe you start seeing some new people around. Um, people that you aren't really familiar with in the neighborhood. Or maybe you hear things from your neighbor, your older neighbor, that um, maybe they've had some phone calls. So we see a lot of more financial abuse. There's a lot of scams that are going on that seem to target older adults. And so you might have these conversations with your neighbors that something like that has happened. Um, it's, it's not uncommon that an older adult is going to be embarrassed about it. Um, or worried about it, and they may not be open to discussing it, but sometimes they'll make comments about, well, you know, I might not be able to afford this, or I loaned money to someone, or I gave money to someone, or maybe they start talking about a family member. I have a nephew that's been coming around that I haven't seen in a long time, and they're asking me for to help them buy a car. And so you can start seeing some of these things and start paying attention to some of these things. Um, maybe you see some physical things on them, some bruises. Um, maybe you see that they've lost a lot of weight. Maybe they haven't been outdoors for quite some time. And so really just checking in on your older adults in your community, on your street next door, that's really a great start. It sounds, it sounds so simple. Be a good neighbor. Be a good <laughs> like, neighbor. Um, and, and if I do notice that, what is, you know, you mentioned they may be embarrassed. I don't want to necessarily conf confront air quotes them and say, I see that this is happening and I need to help you. I, you know, we at DASIS often talk about empowering the, the, the victim to become a survivor. We're not going to make the choices for you. So with that in mind, uh, how do I go about as a good neighbor helping my older neighbors? So there are other organizations like Adult Protective Services and even just our local police um, departments that you could call and ask questions. You could ask if maybe they could do a welfare check on a person and just kind of start that process. One of the other things that the Commission on Aging does is a lot of educational series. And so, you know, if you are, you know, 60 and older, um, you know, you can participate in these kinds of things. And so we will bring in um, bankers, we'll bring in local law enforcement to talk about these signs and what to look for. Um, maybe it's calling the Commission on Aging. You know, hey, I've seen this with um, my neighbor and they are an older adult in the community. What should we do about it? And, and, and even if that comes into our hands and even if they're not a member of the COA, then that is something as an, a mandatory reporter as all employees of the COA are mandatory reporters, then we can take those steps to contact um, the appropriate authorities or organizations to assist in investigating a potential abuse situation. So it sounds like prevention and education is a big part of what the COA does. Yes. Um, well, I wanna ask more about that, you, uh, but you, you mentioned if they're a member, do citizens need to be a member of the COA? How does that work? What does that look like? So we being a member is free and it just allows us because most of the community thinks of the COA as Meals on Wheels and Bingo. And those are only two of the things that we do. There's about 25 other services and activities that we provide. And so being a member allows us to help determine whether or not a citizen or an older adult resident qualifies for other services that we can provide. Hmm. So many of the services that we provide are at no charge. 
Some of them we do ask for a suggested donation because of course funding is, and even in your organization, we know that funding doesn't always cover everything that we need to be able to provide. Um, so there are a lot of different things that we provide and but everything is pretty much um, at no charge, at a reduced charge or asked as a donation um, if available. So being able to educate and being able to help um, community leaders um, community members understand what we provide. Signing up for a membership allows us to be able to stay in contact with you and helps us to make sure that we're providing the necessary services for you. So I should encourage my older neighbors to become members. Is Absolutely. There a, yeah. Is there a particular age that they should be, that I should, like I'm in my forties. Should I be a member now? No, you're not eligible yet. Oh, okay. Um, you have to be 60 or older or married to someone who is 60 or older. Okay. Uh, fantastic. So back to the education side of things. Um, it sounds like one of the maybe preventative measures is to, again, be involved. As a good neighbor, maybe I can be a volunteer. As a citizen, I can become a member and understand these things and just have these conversations. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment, this kind of thing. And, and you have the resources, it sounds like, to battle these scams. You know, gosh, I, I get it in my email all the time. I can, I get it in my phone. Sometimes I get a text that says your Amazon thing. You should do like, click this. Don't, don't click it. Um, right. Are the, these are, these are all things then that I can come to the COA and ask, is this real? Is that fair? It, it, absolutely. And we do have members that will come and ask that they may bring mailings into us. It, that happened even in my audiology practice. I would have uh, patients bring in you know, that they want a sweepstakes and they have a million dollars coming to them or a hundred thousand dollars coming to them. And, and I'd say, no, don't, this is, this is not legitimate. Um, you need to investigate this, please don't do this. Um, and so, you know, sometimes when you have those relationships with your neighbors, with your members, with your patients, you're able to also reach out to their family members and help those conversations to get started as well. Um, it's very important. And I, I noted that, uh, by the way, the good news in this, in this conversation, um, in just another two years, I guess, uh, COA turns 50. So yes. that's congratulations on that. Thank you. Yes. It's going to be, uh, we're going to have some big events, I'm sure. Awesome. So uh, on that note, on the 50 years, you know, you mentioned uh, at least, you know, two dozen services, um, we've talked already about some of the things that we can do to, to help notice and prevent. What is it that the COA does to help keep abuse curtailed, help solve abuse, help the, the victims of abuse? What, what do you look for and what do you do? So two of our main programs that is really allowing us to have hands-on with members in the community are our Meals on Wheels program, where we are delivering meals um, every single, well, Monday through Friday, we deliver meals as well as our in-home aides that are providing some light housekeeping, personal care and respite care. So we are seeing over 300 older adults every single week in the community. And I'm sorry, we see over 300 a day oh, wow. um, in our county. So that's a lot. That's a lot of touch points that we are with. Um, these individuals and our Meals on Wheels drivers and our aides, they are mandatory reporters as well. They have developed close relationships with these community members and they're the first eyes and ears on the scene. 
you know, when they're delivering the meals, when they're going in to assist with these um, light housework um, responsibilities, they will look and see how are these people doing? You know, are they noticing any kind of bruises or sores? Are they having these conversations? Are they looking, are they eating their meals? Are they making any comments about medications? Um, you know, they, the COA Meals on Wheels drivers and aides are truly trusted individuals in our organization that our community members really rely on. And as soon as something is noted that doesn't seem quite right, our aides and our drivers will contact their respective managers to discuss the situations. And then we'll take the necessary steps to determine whether or not we need to contact Adult Protective Services, 911, um, local law enforcement, or really where we need to go um, if they have a case manager, a care manager, and make sure that these adults are getting services and um, additional attention that they may need. Yeah. It, it sounds like a really softball, easy, maybe dumb question, but how, how important is it are these folks like these touch points that human interaction, especially in the last 18 months that we've had, how important is that to our aging population? Oh, it is critical. You know, we're not just talking about their health and nutrition. We're also talking about their emotional um, well-being. And, you know, for some of these folks, it is the only touch point that they may have on a daily basis. They may not have family in the area. They may be homebound and might not be able to get out to discuss with their neighbors um, how things are going. And of course, with the pandemic going on, people are very cautious about getting out. So they may not be going to church. They may not be going to the grocery store um, and having these interactions. So the Meals on Wheels and the in-home aids are very, very important for this population. Yeah, I can only imagine. I Yeah. And I, I have a, a family member who has received in the past, I believe, uh, Meals on Wheels in the area. And so very much appreciated, even from a personal level. Thank you mm -hmm. and to your entire organization. Thank you. Uh, what, what's a, a, a myth maybe or a misunderstanding that people have about the Commission on Aging that you have to often correct? Um, probably what I already spoke about, that we're only about home delivered meals and, and bingo. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of the other things that are a little bit unique to our Commission on Aging is that we have developed the residence, the Rivers Enrichment Center residence in Three Rivers. So we had converted the old, old hotel into apartments and we have 57 residents in, that, in our facility. That is a full we are at full capacity with a very long waiting list. It is a beautiful and lovely place. And what's really great about this is that it's a whole nother level of touch points, not only just for our staff, because we're attached, the, the senior center is attached to this residential facility, but it's also that with all the interior entrances, um, because it was a former hotel. So, you know, all your doorways are interior. It's like a wonderful community there. Mm -hmm. They check on each other. They help each other. And so they also alert us that if there's any concerns, because abuse, elder abuse, isn't just someone else inflicting this kind of abuse or pain onto them. It can also be neglect. Hmm. And so us being able to have our eyes and ears out there and see, um, maybe we haven't seen a resident for a couple of days. It's, it's, an, 
it's an alert for us to take that step and to check on them or their neighbors will check on them. And it's really easy for them to do that. Same thing when we see a member who normally comes in for exercise two or three times a week and we haven't seen them for a week or two, it's not uncommon for our staff to reach out to them and just say, hey, we're checking on you. Is everything all right? Yeah. I, yeah. I have so many thoughts on taking care of our, our uh, elders and, and how we, we don't. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and stay off that soapbox. <laughs> So, but I do want to ask this though, Pam, um, when we talk about sexual abuse in particular at DASIS, uh, we talk about stranger versus known. So often sexual abuse is someone that the family knows, especially when it comes to a child, that someone the family knows or coercion through dating or whatever. Um, so it isn't, as we say, as a stereotype, um, somebody in the bushes in the dark, that's going to surprise you. That's, that's what we think it is because of TV and stuff, but it isn't typically that when it comes to elder abuse, my question is similar. Is it typically someone that they know or is it a stranger or is it just so much of a mix because people are taking advantage because abuse covers so many things? That's my question. It is typically someone they know hmm. um, and not that it can't happen from strangers, uh, but it's usually going to be someone that they know. And again, I think what we're going to see is that it's going to be more medication related depending on what medications the older adult may be. So medication may be stolen from them hmm. um, or um, financial is usually what we're going to see a lot of. So someone taking advantage of them, which yes. isn't just like, but that sounds, that sounds so like vanilla, right? Oh, they're just taking advantage of them. No, it's, it's abuse. It is yes. abuse, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so again, we go back to being a good neighbor, listening for those cues, um, the Meals on Wheels and uh, housework volunteers and, and, and folks uh, who work with you, all, every, every, all of us listening for those red flags, seeing those red flags, uh, and then reporting it to, now you said there is a, um, an, an adult, uh, it's almost like child protective, adult protective services, right? Yes. Okay. That's exactly what it is, adult protective services. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we can make those phone calls. We can report uh, your mandatory reporters. So there's, it's just being involved and being a good neighbor and looking out for those red flags, I guess. It sounds so simple. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and it is, it, it can be a struggle because a lot of times people don't want to get involved and they need to, you know, just as you want to be involved with children, you're not going to let a child typically, um, <clears throat> well, we would hope that we don't have children suffering at the hands of of abusers, but it's the same. I mean, this is a vulnerable population and we need to definitely watch out and take care of them. They've taken care of us for so many years. It's time to return the favor. Absolutely. And so let's, uh, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that those, our listeners revisit the red flags. What should we be looking out for when it comes to our neighbors? Um, A change in behavior or routine. Um, feeling um, fearful to speak about things, especially in the presence of some additional people. Um, Malnutrition, maybe poor hygiene, looking for any bruises or sores. Um, If you were entering someone's home, um, if they weren't having, if they didn't have running water or heat, or there were bugs, um, poor living conditions are some signs of elder abuse improper administration of medication, 
Uh, if you see or know that they're frequently changing doctors or hospitals, that's also another sign of potential abuse. Cool. Uh, well, Pam, thank you so much, so much for being a part of I'm not in an abusive relationship and for the work that you and your folks all do. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to make sure listeners walk away from this conversation with? Um, I don't think so. I just want to reiterate that the COA is definitely here that if anyone has any questions regarding elder abuse or anything in particular for elders, that we are definitely the main resource um, and, and experts in finding out um, any resources that you may need. So we are here to help. And um, our goal is to always take care of our seniors and keep them independent for as long as possible. Yeah. Amen to that. So where, where's the best way to find that help or even to support your organization? Where do you send folks? So we are, um, our website is sjccoa.com. Uh, we, you can contact us um, at, locally by phone, uh, 269-279-8083. We also have a presence on Facebook. Um, and then we have centers that are located in Three Rivers on Broadway Street. And then we also have the Oaks Enrichment Center in Sturgis right next to the Doyle Community Center. Excellent. And we'll put that link, of course, in the show notes, sjccoa.com, St. Joe, Joseph County. Uh, Commission on Aging. So, uh, Pam Riley, Executive Director of the St. Joe County Commission on Aging, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800 828 2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.